0: much for everyone who is tuning in right now. DNC live coverage, yay, Progressive Army. So exciting. Um, and 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 I think Wendy is actually in Brazil right now. So we're international. Our panel's international today. <laughs> um, We, so, so, so I'll just give you guys a little feedback. I mean, we're doing pre-convention coverage. You know, we have people out and about, Ben and Michael Salamone and other folks are on the ground right now. Shout out to Adair and the Washington delegation um, holding it down. I mean, we have people actually on the ground in Philly and we're going to be providing you guys coverage all week long. We all, of course, are not in Philly, but we wanted to come together to talk to you about some of the issues and stuff that have come up in the past few days. You know, um, Secretary Clinton has announced her, her vice presidential candidate, uh, you know, running mate. Um, We've also had, um, you know, the the DNC leaks, but we we continue, and this is something that all of us have talked about individually and and together um, in various groupings and Twitter threads and stuff, is the use of, well, one, the use of identity politics to kind of control as a tool of fear. That's one thing that we've all talked about, right? And we've seen this now. Um, We see it in the justification for why we're supposed to support Hillary Clinton without any type of real Policy argument, any anything substantive. It's just ooh, Trump bad, you know. And then we've had, I mean, we continue to have this discussion. You know, one of the questions that I got posed um, the last time I was on, with Kieran and Wendy came on, and she asked, you know, um, basically, how do we overcome this, and what do we do next? So I wanted to bring on these wonderful ladies to have, you know, an organic chat about some of the issues that we've been seeing, some of the stuff that's going on, especially as we're heading into convention week, especially as we're heading into this new era in American politics, not just in, you know, bringing the party unity together. I don't know that, that, that everyone here is you know on the party unity bandwagon. Um, well, you have on a green party sh- shirt, sis. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that answers that question. But no, I mean, and that I have met across Twitter and Facebook and talked to and chatted with over the last several months, and I wanted to share with you some of the great wisdom and knowledge, so I'll let everyone go ahead um, and introduce themselves, and I don't know if you guys show up on the screen the same way you guys show up for me, but we'll start (laughs) Um, (laughs) start with Dr. Mina. (laughs) Oh, okay. I see small thumbnails. Yeah, I don't know if everyone is the same way, and I always forget about that. I should have wrote an order. So forgive me, everybody. I'm in the middle of twisting hair, so I did not think about <laughs> typing up an order for all of us. But this is how sisters get together and chat. You know, this is the real deal for you guys today.
1: Exactly. So I'm Dr. Neasha Grayman Simpson. I'm a counseling psychologist and a professor at a Baltimore area college. I teach black psychology, psychology of white racism, um, psychology of women, and qualitative research methods.
0: Awesome. Let me make sure I give the the crew your Twitter handles, too. Um, Q, go ahead and and introduce yourself.
2: Uh, Hey, y'all. I'm Q. I'm from Texas, and I'm an undergrad engineering student, and I took off this past year just to get better. And I got involved with Progressive Army, and I usually write up their pages and do research for them.
0: Sweet.
3: (laughs) All right, Wendy, you're up. Hi, uh, my name is Wendy Muse. I am working on a Ph.D. in history at NYU, and right now I'm currently in Brazil, so my Internet is a bit spotty. Um, Forgive me if you can't see me or hear me or if you're having any issues. Um, But, yeah, I teach on... uh, Questions about Afro um, history of Brazil and my research has to do with um, left left based organizing and activism between Brazilians and Africans who speak to Portuguese during the military dictatorship here in Brazil.
0: And last but not least, sis. I know Karen probably pops in soon. Oh,
4: yeah. So hi, everybody. My name is Becky Alfaro. I am based in New Jersey. I'm master's level clinician of marriage and family therapy. And I'm also a grad assistant who teaches a comprehensive uh, comprehensive sex ed program out of an urban school district as part of a research program. And um, I think that's pretty much it.
0: Awesome. So um, I know we were talking just a little bit in, the, in our in our thread uh, yesterday, just about, you know, kind of basically the, the leaks, cane pick, excuses given and rationalizations from people about why we need to get behind Hillary. So we can, I mean, anyone can start just anywhere you want to. I'm not going to be like too like regimented with the questions, just, just. We have such great conversations, it just flows, so <laughs> I'll let anyone start where, where you guys want to. Well,
1: I'll start with a question that I had and okay. my my first question was how does the cane pick change the narrative of what is problematic about the Democratic Party and about its platform? I don't I don't really see how it does.
4: You know, I, I would love I would love to respond to that because I that's a question that I I have felt as well. And I had someone turn to me yesterday and ask, you know, does this fix things for you? You know, he he's fluent in Spanish, and he was a missionary in your country of origin. And I was just kind of like, and I mean, this, is a, this was a Latina. This is not, you know, a, a, a dude bro or anything like that. They were really, you know, believing what the media is saying about that this is going to unify the party. And I mean... I don't, I do not feel that, for several reasons, I think that Kane doesn't unify the party because we never saw Hillary as a true progressive, our side, the left side of the party. So when you go even further right and centrist and moderate to choose your VP, I understand experience, I understand that he doesn't have a lot of skeletons in the closet to some people. I understand that some Hispanics will say, hey, he speaks Spanish, lovely. But the reality is that progressives don't, he's not a progressive. You, He does not, he supports TPP. Um, he supports deregulation of banks. And I think that when you see what the party has, what the country has gone through because of these policies and where we are, where we're, you know, Democrats are still out there fighting to to get TPP, get TPP out of the platform and things mm-hmm. like that. And so when you see things like that, and then she picks this guy, it's kind of like, it's like an FU, in my opinion, to, mm-hmm. her, to her critics. And it's just like mm-hmm. a rounding up of her already existing pool. I think that mm-hmm. in this, the, and the one part that I understand about it is that she's trying to appeal to the Trump voters that mm-hmm. are uncomfortable, that are holding their nose and voting for Trump. So mm-hmm. they're going to look at Kane and say, here's a white guy. Here's a religious guy. You know, maybe this will appeal to me. I don't know that that will be enough to to counter those like me that are unwilling to vote for her, but um, mm-hmm. I I definitely think that's a that's a solid question and and you know that's just that's my take on it personally.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's it's I just will just real quickly just just. Uh, that, that's just but the part. Last part about is it enough? I mean, we've we've listened to this whole primary cycle about how important Black and Latino voters are, right? Like, if you can't win if you don't have like ninety five or ninety whatever high percentage of the Black voter turnout, right? You need high voter turnout, and then you need like almost all the Black vote, you need all the Latino vote, or whatever, and then you know it kind of bounces out. And it seems like to some extent, Hillary Clinton's Democratic Party is willing to kind of hedge. Bets that everybody will still fall in line, and she can get some of this this other vote, like you're talking about. And that's that's they're calling this a safe choice. That's actually a pretty risky and stupid choice, (laughs) Mm -hmm. in my opinion, because I just don't, you know. And I'm I'm really like flabbergasted at at the excuses being made for this pick. And you know, just Thursday he was praising TPP, and now all of a sudden yesterday he's against it, right? He he too is against it, and it's just like. I can't believe anything he said. Up until 2010, you know, he was being challenged about his abortion stances. Mm-hmm. Once he hit the national stage, okay, once he hit the national stage as senator, he st- he got along to get along because he was actually a contender for VP consideration in 2008. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that probably played a part in why he he got sidelined when he was governor. But now you have him on the senatorial stage. If you want to be groomed, you know, I'm not surprised people don't get told when they come to, when they come to Congress. If you want to be groomed for leadership, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, you need to get in line with these mainstream party values. And you know being on the right side of the choice is a mainstream party value, and he had not been on the right side prior to 2010. I don't care how people try to rationalize it, well he's on the right side now. he's on the right side now because it's politically expedient, not because he's this real champion. And we just saw Planned Parenthood and Emily's List and all these other groups, you know, Bernie Sanders has had, whether you support Bernie Sanders or not, Bernie Sanders had has had a long-standing, perfect record on these issues, and they trashed him. And now we have the same groups praising someone who just a few years ago was on the wrong side. I'm not, I'm not moved. I'm not
3: motivated at all. I
5: think
3: what's interesting to me, this is Wendy, by the way, I think what's interesting to me is that
0: Yeah, Wendy. So Wendy is in Brazil, Mm -hmm. and she has said that her internet connection is kind of flimsy. So she's going to be in, and she might come in and out um, as possible. Hi, Kieran. How I feel about it is that really, what's going
2: on is. They were picking someone who compliments Clinton and who will do, in my opinion, you know, step in line with whatever Clinton wants and whatever she says. I mean, I haven't read too much on him, but he's being, you know, advertised as a deal maker and he's being advertised as competent. And they're like, oh, and he did an entire speech on the House floor in Spanish. And it's just kind of like they, it feels like they're mm-hmm. pitching him, trying to pitch him to millennials. And being like, hey, we gave you guys some, you know, little concessions here. We got you guys. Girl, I guess I'm with her. Right. Yeah. Like this, you know, Spanish whisperer or something. And it's just very strange and very odd. And it doesn't feel like – and they're trying to defend him from the left. And so really all it feels like is just this, This, you know, this pick means very little in my opinion. It just means that they picked someone they thought, you know, would do whatever what Clinton said. And whatever her donors will say,
4: also, just to piggyback off of the idea that the left is defending him has uh what are what are everyone's thoughts on uh conservative republican uh senators being very happy about this pick and sort of praising him on twitter and 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 even the campaign manager Robbie Moo came out today and and said like as though this was a good thing, like oh, look at their party, they're endorsing our vp and i'm like." Mm. That's not a solid thing that you should probably brag about. But, you know, what do you guys think about that?
1: I think that that pick was to court the Republicans who are disaffected from the Republican mm-hmm. Party. And in that way, I don't really know how the speaking Spanish and going to a black Catholic church helps. Mm-hmm. With the intention <laughs> that it appeals maybe to Latino and Republican Blacks, which, I mean, Republican Blacks are a negligible percentage of the party, but I just don't really, that's the piece that I don't understand um, what we're supposed to get from that. I I get why he's a great pick to court Republicans. I don't really get, again, how the identity politics are being used in a way that's supposed to be attractive to I don't even know if it's supposed to be attractive to progressives. Maybe it's too undermine. I don't, I don't think they
0: care. I think this is. I think this is very clear that they just don't care. And I think when we look at the leaks, right, it's clear they haven't cared about progressives. You know, I saw a tweet. You know, someone was like, "Well, you know, the far left can be upset, but you know, and there are people praising like this is great because this is in the middle. We've had the middle. We've had the middle for so long, and for the majority of Americans, the middle does not work. The middle means we stand still right. and. Yeah, this pick does not help. <laughs> it doesn't help us move the so needle, who you know. Do they, who do they get? Who do they get that they don't already have by
1: parading the fact that he can speak Spanish and he attended a predominantly black Catholic? Who is supposed to be impressed by Well, you, I, get, you get Who the is not already letter? impressed by the Democratic
4: I, I... I think that the people that they get, speaking as someone that grew up in the evangelical, Latino, conservative, uh, people of color thing, um, I I think that's who they get. I think they get the people that kind of really believe in this American dream and Mm -hmm. um, that have worked their whole lives and that maybe made it out of where they started on both not and not to just be binary with Latino and black, but you know, other other people of color as well that still um that on they might think that they appeal to Democrats because of their color, but in reality mm-hmm. they're conservative on abortion. They're they want God in our Pledge of Allegiance and everywhere else. Um mm-hmm. they're very republic when it republican when it comes to these social issues and I think that in that aspect, while they may be turned off by Trump because of because of his rhetoric, they, Cain is a, the pick for them because they mm. they'll see what we see. They'll see that he's recent on abortion, and they'll mm. say, "Hey, like, you know what? Actually, Hillary." And I've had people when it was the Hillary Clinton Bernie Sanders thing say, "You know what? I like that she's not as strong on abortion as Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. because they are more conservative. They just happen." to right. not be white. So I really do believe that that demographic, I don't know if it'll be enough for them, especially if, you know, enough people go off to the Greens or the Libertarians, but I really do, just having coming from that background and having family members that are very active conservatives, mm-hmm. like, the, those are the people that are going to say, you know what, I'm going to go for it because I can't with the Republican Party anymore because of Trump. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it'll be enough for them, but but I do respect that, that that's, like an option for them that at least there's some upside for hillary with this other than like you know has like it has been mentioned previously that this does appear to be a a, kind of like a joe biden guy like i'm just gonna you know i'm gonna do whatever you say i'm just gonna be around you know there's not you know we haven't we haven't had a dick cheney and i hope we never do again but Mm. i don't see i mean if if you don't like the top of the ticket you're not going to vote for them. So so I think she's trying to pull yeah. in these people that maybe don't see her as trustworthy but see his long standing catholicism. And that's what people keep saying yeah. about him it's
0: like he's yeah. such a great guy. He's so yeah. upstanding. He's so this like as mm-hmm. if somehow that adds a greater boost. But, but but it just really tickled me when they were like but he goes to a black church mm-hmm. and his <laughs> kids go to black public school with black kids. He speaks mm-hmm. spanish and he was a missionary. You know, missionaries don't necessarily for people of color. Missionaries don't always a <laughs> best image. <laughs> i just gonna let not. you guys know if you don't know this already. Yeah. But um, yeah. But yeah, his pick. I mean, his pick wasn't surprising. I mean, it, it's what people have been saying was likely what was gonna happen coming out of you know the Clinton campaign. But it is, it is. I guess for anyone who was out there really hoping for some reason to believe in in her ticket, I think for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It did not provide that you know um, the filmmaker Michael Moore you know he was just like how who did this ad and I think I think what you said about about how it probably did reach those people who are on the fence who don't really want to vote for Trump so instead of providing progressives an alternative it seems like she provided a certain segment of Republicans an alternative Mm -hmm. creating solidifying their 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 new way Democrats as a different you know centrist center-right group Mm -hmm. leaving us on the left to either get in line or do something different or go green yeah. um, so as we' we're, 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 we've seen like you know issues with the rules committee yesterday it does not seem like the Democratic committee it does not seem like the party is willing to play ball so where do we take this I mean we're you know people are in Philly this week there's massive protest plan which I'm great it's great to see all the civic action going on. But but where do we go after this phase? Like what 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 do we need to start doing to drive these conversations? Obviously, all of us coming together and showing our numbers, that's great. Um, but but how do we continue to drive this and move forward? Um, I don't know if you all
3: can hear me. This is Wendy. Can you yes, hear me? Wendy, we can hear you. Okay, great. Sorry about earlier. Um, like no, I said, you're fine. Out. It's a bit heavy for my internet. Um, but one of the things that I just wanted to ask about Tim Kaine, and then I think this can segue into the question that you asked, is that so his politics more or less reinforce the politics that Hillary Clinton already has. So as I mentioned, and I don't know if you all could hear it, um, he only adds about 0.7% in terms of um, increase in voter likelihood. Um, so there's that issue, but I think secondly, the the other major issues that his politics, especially in terms of foreign policy, and especially in terms of people of color, um, and in, in this case, I'm speaking specifically to African Americans and uh, Latin Americans and Latinos who vote in the United States. The thing is, is that he does things and says things, and the way that they're kind of framing his positions is in a way to reinforce the kind of neo-colonial uh relationship mm-hmm. with the clintons and people like tim Kaine have with communities of color and people in what we would now could you know what people used to consider quote unquote the third world right, right. so i mean he his relationship with honduras for example he was there last year to speak with the president who is incredibly conservative and who has been pushing these death squads who killed people like Berta Cáceres and many other indigenous, LGBT, black, uh, you know, Agarifuna activists in Honduras. So there's that issue. Um, and on top of that, he also, I mean, this, this same president that he was meeting with, where he used his fluent Spanish, right? Um, <laughs> it, the person who, the people he was meeting with there were the, what's called the Southern Command the U.S. Southern Command, which is the military group. It's basically a base um, that's set up in Honduras to train these death squads that then kill activist. Um, so there's a very direct link between the things that Hillary Clinton did as Secretary of State with mm-hmm. relational voters and Tim Kaine. It kind of is, it creates a continuum of politics in Latin America that I think are dangerous. But in terms of where we go from here uh, with him, I mean, I personally will not be voting for Hillary Clinton, and I am in a swing state, and I'm okay and comfortable saying that. I think one of the things we have to think about is not just the dangers on the right, but also the dangers on the quote-unquote left or the neoliberal left as we now know it. I don't think that continuing to appease um, their need to have numbers, right, to have a body yes. that's voting for them is necessarily productive. And, I, you know, as much as Trump scares the crap out of me and many other people understandably, so does Hillary Clinton. For me personally, I have family in the Middle East. I have family in Muslim countries. I have friends and family in Latin America. I cannot personally, on my own accord, go and vote for someone knowing that they can hurt those people that I love. And on top of that, hurt, hurt my own family, right? I mean, I'm African American. I have members of my family who have had drug issues, who have been in and out of jail, who have issues with poverty. So it's it's very personal for me, and I'm not going to be a part of the process of enabling someone who's going to destroy the communities that I am part of and
5: that I love. I just can't. Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm with Wendy, definitely. There's mm-hmm. I, I couldn't bring myself, there was, until, you know, even until a few weeks ago, I was thinking, okay, you know, if I was thinking theoretically, if I was in a swing state, I could hold my nose and imagine myself voting for Hillary. But um, since the last week with the T.P. King pick and with the DNC leaks and everything, I just, I can't do it. Um, and um, I also have family in a lot of places. I, I I live between the U.S. and Canada. So one of the things I was going to suggest, Ana, is that I really think the U.S. You know, the, the the problem, the root problem, besides campaign funding, which is another root problem, but a, mm-hmm. a second root problem is this two-party system that uh, yes. has a systemically uh, marginalized and ensured that no other party. Can rise to the level where it can compete with the two big parties, and I think that that until that really changes, um, what we're going to see is uh, continued calls for reform within the party. But that only happens uh, by conceding all kinds of important principles and issues, you know, if it happens at all. So what that all that happens is if everybody moves to the right and the right and the right every election, um, it's not going to change unless there's real pressure. For example, right. in parliamentary systems like in Canada. Where there's three or four parties, or maybe five parties even, each party sort of keeps each other in check. There's not just this two party system where, oh, as long as you're just not the other person, you're just not the other mm-hmm. guy, you're fine. There's more than one level of, uh, uh, accountability, you know what I mean? So, um, I think that's the issue. And for me, I, my way forward is, uh, just time.
4: Yes. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll get started after that. I also am um, planning on supporting Jill Stein and trying to get my family and everybody to also go that route. Um, just so, you know, my, what I've been saying um, to the furious Bernie Sanders supporters that are like, oh, Trump, you know, screw it. We hate, they hate Hillary so much. No, no you know no. what? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Perspective, she, please, people. Yes, yeah. now, and we can build for the future. You know, yes. with enough people supporting the Green Party, we can change this country from a two party system to a three party system and more. And, and we can make this change. I think that we can also try to hold people accountable, but we are limited when we're within the two party system. You're asking people in power to give up part of their power. And right. as we've seen with the super delegates, they're not willing to do that. They're not willing to cede power unless their life, unless their livelihood or something that they care about is really, really on the line. And um, I love what Wendy was saying um, yesterday or the day that the uh, news came out about Tim Kaine. I was so furious, and basically my tweet amounted to something uh, saying that while I acknowledge that I'm an atheist, missionaries have aided colonialism throughout the world, whether it's exactly. Africa, mm-hmm. the Caribbean, Latin yep. America. And to see that, to see him, that part of him used as like this thing, like, oh, look what he's done, it perpetuates the narrative that infantilizes Latin America, that that terms of this third world country, and it absolves the U.S. of any role in the destabilization of the of, of those countries. Yes. Like with for, Like even with Hillary Clinton, you know, I don't know how many times I talk to people about her role as Secretary of State in destabilizing Haiti and Honduras and her role with Colombia and the oil and it's just like people don't care. It's like nope. she's a grandma, you know? And. These things are uh, so superficial, so and, and it's funny, and, and, and we laugh, but this is what the media person yes. out mm-hmm. there. Same thing with, with Kane. It's like, well, he goes to a black church, and he goes to public school. Oh, my gosh. And it's like, okay, but then you hear these beautiful points being made where... You're really, this analysis is really breaking down his role Mm -hmm. with this conservative government that has limited LGBT rights, that has done everything possible to keep the poor, poor. And no one's talking about that. And, and they yeah. just, the media just consistently, consistently just limits what it is that we're hearing about. They're limiting the DNC leaks. They're saying they're, oh, yeah. they're switching it to, oh, it's, it's Russia. Russia. But Russia <laughs> didn't do the actions. You know, Russia right. wasn't, it wasn't Russians that were sitting there emailing about whether or not Bernie Sanders is an atheist. And it's like, it's sad that in this country, you know, 200 years or more after its founding, that. Being an atheist is still this scary thing that people would rather vote for any other religion before us, which is it's absurd. Um, so mm-hmm. part of trying to tie into what you, what you were asking about, what can we do, is, is support media like this. Support media mm-hmm. that takes into account, I don't think that we are even aware of that this doesn't exist on CNN. On CNN, it's no. people with uh, doctor degrees in journalism and political science, and yeah, all and, and, and so so, from some
0: yeah I'm high in D2D school too. Absolutely, and you would not have this many people of color. <laughs> Absolutely, not. No. Women are no. women. Not as many you know? women. No, Absolutely. not at all.
4: And I think that that's that's another option for us. That is so important to keep the movement going forward. To give people something that they can listen to, something that they can be educated with. I mean, you're not going to hear on CNN about death squads in Honduras. You're not. You're not going to hear about Jill Stein, you know, other than to say, well, she doesn't have a shot. So I think this type of media is, is, is one of those notches in this road to, to, to continue the movement that needs to, needs to be powered forward.
0: I, I think that they just, yeah. just, just uh, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Jump in. I to say, the thing, I you guys, I, I'm still figuring out exactly what I'm going to do in November
1: although I'm wearing a Green Party shirt. <laughs> um, I know what I'm not going to do. I know that I'm not going to vote for Trump. I know that I'm not going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. But I am still deciding whether I am going to vote for Jill Stein at the top of the ticket or whether I'm going to blank out which I just learned about from Eddie Glaude. It's one of the reasons I'm so appreciative of Outlets like the Progressive Army provide such great information.
0: I I'm thinking he is about the long game and I yeah, go to, ahead. Huh? i will just say he is he is oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm go thinking ahead. about the yes. long
1: game and I want to be careful to not replicate the same mistake that I feel Black and Brown people made with the Democratic Party and that now progressive people of color become a captured voting block for mm-hmm. the Green Party when. All candidates running under the Green Party ban are not necessarily advocating the, the planks that are, are really important to me. The most distinctive one, I feel, is around racial and social justice. Yeah. So I need to see Jill Stein come out harder and clearer and with more courage and conviction around the party's stance on racial and social justice. I'm not just going to vote for her um, because she is the Green Party top of the ticket. But there mm-hmm. are plenty of Green Party candidates that I will be voting for, for sure. But the jury is still out with me.
0: Yeah, well, in Baltimore... Opinion, or, well, go ahead, Q. I want to in, my, that, okay.
2: uh, in my opinion, to me, this comes down to, like, socio-political spaces being crafted and catered to by the Democrats and Republicans in a way that censors their best interests or their donors' best interests. And they'd rather put all their effort, time, and energy into expanding and appropriating marginalized spaces that kind of fit in their intersections of political crossfire um, and then turn around and demand that the same marginalized people in these spaces come back and support their efforts to continuously expand their base and appropriate their craft. Because they'll be less violent than the other party in appropriating their spaces. And then when people come back and they resist that, um, they decide to further marginalize them or further push them out, you know, just sort of doing some weird colonial type of violence that, you know, y'all were talking about. And I think that we not only need to reconstruct these spaces, but we need to center them Around sustainable and inclusive infrastructure that uh, empowers and benefits more diverse communities, cultures, obviously the ecosystem and the environment, and how we interact with each other rather than you know just continuously focusing on these spaces that are centered around what the politicians want
0: right, right. Uh, I think that you guys have just brought up <laughs> just 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 so many great points just just to touch back I, I think a little bit to to I'm trying to think who made this point, but, but, but thinking about the conversation of going, do we go green? And I know, I know everyone just automatically Bernie Sanders endorsed Hillary Clinton, uh, profile picture. It's like people had their pictures just waiting, just in case, like profile pictures change, group names changed, everything changed. Everything was Jill and green not everybody but a lot of folks and i was just like okay breathe for a second um i, I do i do i do not discourage people I, I i do have my questions and stuff as well i did just read a really great piece by kirsten savali who writes for the root yesterday she posted a note on um, facebook and i'll try and get that um i think she might have tweeted out a link to it so i'll try and find a tweet out to everyone but she she went through and she she says the same thing she's not necessarily actually advocating for Jill Stein, but she's throwing it out there like people need to consider the options. And yes, we have options, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we're going into Dem Convention Week, and we need to stop being led by the nose. I mean, for however many decades now, we've been told the Dems are our friends, they're the only ones that care, the Republicans are evil and nasty, and Anything achievement wise that has happened in the last, you know, 50 to 100 years or longer has happened because of people driven processes and movements and not because this party and, and let's be real, like 50 years ago, the Democrats were racist as all get out anyway still are Um, they They just know how to channel it this is just a little little quick aside you know everybody's like oh my god you know Donald Trump is so racist I'm like Donald Trump is so racist that Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson have hung out with him he's so racist that (laughs) Bill Clinton has played golf with him and gave him the advice to run last year and that's well documented So they made the racist stuff. We weren't concerned about racism when Bill and Hillary Clinton used racial stereotypes to promote their awful legislation. We were not we were not concerned about racism when Hillary Clinton sided with Republicans while she was a senator to build not a tall wall, but a small wall or a fence. I mean, we weren't concerned about racism when when, when people were demanding, you know, that, that, that people on a no-fly list a couple of weeks ago be denied rights. We, weren't, we, we have not been concerned with racism until it comes to Donald Trump and racism is suddenly bad. We're not concerned about racism when black and brown people are being gunned down at alarming rates in our streets. And, and, and cops, predominantly white cops, get off with, without any anything. We're not concerned mm-hmm. about racism. We have Holman Square in Chicago, which is basically a U.S. black site where people get disappeared. And mm-hmm. violations of constitutional rights. We're not concerned about racism on any given day in American cities. We're not concerned about racism in terms of what we're doing abroad, right? I yeah. mean, Wendy That's just right. laid, it, laid it out about Clinton intervention yeah. and Cain and interventionism in, uh, yeah. uh, in, in Latin America, for example. We're not concerned about racism in the Middle East because you know what? We're only concerned about our uterus. And what happens here in
5: the
0: yes. US? Um, so, so please save me the, oh my god, Trump is racist. He's going to destroy the world. Have you looked at pictures what? of Syria lately? Have you seen videos of Syria? The world is already in shambles. A lot of stuff is already going on. And, and how do we have meaningful conversations of moving things forward if all we're being told is we need to support Hillary Clinton because Trump is bad, and we just need things to say just as there are? Things are not great. Things are not awful, but things are not great. And we got to be honest about that. We're not going to about racism when our black president is bombing and, and accidentally killing brown families and children. Like, we're not concerned about any of that Absolutely. stuff on any given day. But now all of a sudden, racism. Look, you know, I mean, like, I mean, we're people of color. We've been dealing with racism ever oh since gosh. y'all came off your continent. So, like, yeah. give me something better. Yeah, but,
1: I think but it's all so such hard. on... Go ahead. Go ahead.
5: I was gonna say, it feels like, uh, you know, it, it feels just fake. It feels phony for them to bring up racism just as a tool, you know, to use when, like you said, we've been, we people of color, black people, non-black people of color, have been dealing with racism inside and outside the U.S. because of the U.S. uh, policies and and wars for, you know, centuries. Like this Mm -hmm. is, not new. This only seems to be new for white Hillary voters or fans who want to mm-hmm. use that as a way to scare. Oh, Trump is the boogeyman. You know, uh, he, I, I had uh, tweeted uh, a number of things where, you know, uh, Obama, under Obama, under uh, Bill Clinton, uh, there was, you know, all kinds of uh, wars and de- deportations happening. Um, that seemed to be okay. But when Trump talks about it, it's horrible. And I'm not pro Trump. I would never. I do think he is, uh, I think the danger with him is not necessarily him, it's the people who support him. And I think that mm-hmm. he's uh, managed to consolidate, uh, you know, get them connected in a way that Bernie Sanders got the progressives connected. So that's the real danger of Trump, I think, uh, which is going to remain whether he gets elected or not. So I think we're yeah. going to have to deal with that. Um, sorry. And secondly, I was going to say that it's, you know, you mentioned Syria. There's actually, uh, I posted a bunch of stuff, there was an, uh, a piece in The Nation a few days ago about how NATO actually has had a meeting. NATO, all the NATO countries, they got together in uh, in Poland just literally two weeks ago or so, and they have been positioning themselves and doing these war exercises. And they have also given themselves, France, and uh, they they had a meeting where they literally have given themselves uh, leeway as to how quickly they're allowed to use nuclear weapons. Um, and we they're basically, uh, you know, this is not conspiracy theory, this is all recorded in The Nation and other sources, um, where they are positioning themselves for a nuclear war with Russia, or for some kind of nuclear-based aggression with Russia. And this has been going on for a while. This has been going on for a few weeks at least in the media that we know of. So my point is that uh, this is not just like all oh, those poor brown people Oh, you know, I'm I'm from Pakistan originally. I have family in Saudi Arabia and, and Iran and and you know, people like me have been bombed by multiple administrations. Um so mm-hmm. my, my concern is that we are talking about even beyond that. We're talking about a serious uh, restarting of like Cold War level cold war era tensions, nuclear mm-hmm. possibilities. I mean, this is not small stuff and we really need to consider and for me, that is like, what pushed me over the edge because I don't want either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton on the table with Putin. You know what I mean? Who is himself, not somebody I want to have. I want somebody who's going good, good to become, who wants peace, who wants, you know, who wants to negotiate, who wants to make sure that we don't go into a nuclear war instead of uses that as another way for billionaire corporations to profit, which is what happens.
3: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think that education is also really important in this process, mm-hmm. right? so One of the things that, you know, when we're talking about ways to sort of move the Most movement ed- forward... Oh. Sorry? Uh, was someone else talking? I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: Wendy was talking. Uh, so I
3: think that education is one way to move it forward. And I think one of the things that you actually mentioned uh, was this question of Eddie Glaude, right? So he's been very visible and vocal during this election, thank God. Him and uh, people like Adolf Reed and others yes. who have been vocal and kind of coming out and saying, look, like we have to be as a movement, as a group, as people of color, as leftists, et cetera, we have to also remember to... To not forget this history, because one of the things for me as someone who is potentially pursuing a degree um, in, in history is watching history as a field kind of get trampled during this election. Mm-hmm. So some people do are holding on to the reality of what's happening and other people are not. And I think part of it has to do with like a lack of recognition of these sorts of historical trends, right? So again, when Tim came, when Tim Kaine came out as the VP and, you know, everyone kept talking about the black schools and he does this and that, and I, all I could envision in my head was images and propaganda I've seen from Portuguese colonial regimes in Africa where they were saying, look, so-and-so hangs out with the natives. Look, so-and-so speaks the natives' language. And therefore that somehow legitimizes um, the continued occupation of, you know, indigenous land. So I think that we're... We're starting to see these, or not starting to see, but we're definitely reliving a lot of these same trends that right now a lot of people just don't have the language for because it's, I think, the the community of educators that have not been vocal, I mean, they're a bit to blame too, right? I think some people have tried their best uh, to really put the word out about what's going on internationally and what's going on in this country That's that's reminiscent of previous trends, but they've been getting, you know, overshadowed by people like, I'm just going to name them, Smooth Cobra, um, and others who ignore a lot of the historical realities that we we do have documentation of instead of acknowledging it. The other thing really quickly is I always say, you know, um, with regard to Donald Trump and and his ilk, would we rather, as people, as as black people, I'm just going to speak for myself, right, I would rather, um, I don't know if I'd rather, if I want to have an argument between which is worse being called a nigger or being treated like one, right? Mm. Um, so in the case of, of Donald Trump, he might call me that, but and the other the other side may not may not call me a nigger, but they're gonna treat me like that. They're gonna put me in a position where I don't have economic access, where I don't have access to resources, where I can't get a decent education, where I don't have environmental protections, where I can't get a job. You know, so it's sort of you have to weigh weigh the difference here. And if you want to be if you're just going to focus on the specter of hatred, which is what Donald Trump symbolizes, I think we lose a lot in the process. We're not looking at the systemic issues that Democrats maintain. They might not come out their face and call us out of our names, or in some cases they do actually, but it's not as blatant. And I think people right. have trouble. They get We get stuck on what's obvious, what's blatant, what's right in our face, and we have a lot more trouble addressing issues that are happening right. behind closed doors that we're not recognizing because we... In this this sort of process of identity politicking, we get hung up on, on, you know, our our racial, gender, sexuality identities and don't necessarily see beyond that. So that's why it's so hard to criticize Obama. That's why it's going to be equally as hard to criticize Hillary Clinton, because people are going to say, well, you're being sexist. But I'm like, wait a second, she's oppressing me as a woman. So what what are we saying here? And I think we have to get... We have to go deeper than just what's on the surface, and we have to understand the history of why what's on the surface is being held as the primary objective. When that's, it goes
1: on critical education, democratic education, especially in states like North Carolina and Texas. I find myself wondering where, where is the organizing force resisting that at all levels of education? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think sometimes it comes down to um, social mobility and economic mobility and that the politicians, they really like to cater to people who have the mobility to move between political spaces and then the spaces of marginalized communities. But in doing so, they kind of, you know, I guess they would take these people and eventually settle them in their spaces and gradually – forget about the marginalized people and just leave them at the sidelines. so when um, there's people with families in the Middle East who are getting bombed and stuff and they say they won't vote for Hillary because of how she's actively committed committing violence on their families, and people are like, well, Donald Trump. And it's just kind of like, you know, the violence of spaces or just um, – the intersectional violence they get is from both the Republican party and the Democratic party Mm -hmm. and it's very hard I feel like for some people to understand that because they're so marginalized and they try to make them so invisible they just don't it's very hard for us to say you need to step out you need to realize that there's people over here and that just saying we need to do the best for the most kick the lesser evil it's just gradually going to make the evil bigger and bigger and bigger and so everyone on the sidelines is gone, and it's just going to be all these rich white people doing whatever the hell they want.
4: Yeah, and and sort of going back to this idea that we live in this sort yeah, of I mean, either-or like option, okay. and right I now. think that right. the problem I'm with sorry, that is not. that, you know, so, in my case, I live in a blue state, and we are very place. heavily segregated in, in this hey. state and in our education what? system. No, uh, it's... And a lot of people talk about it, like, so I'm from New Jersey, and oh, Chris Christie, Chris Christie, Chris Christie, Chris Christie, much like Congress, where it's, they're obstructionists and Republicans and Republicans, but they're not seeing that it's still a blue state, our property taxes are the highest in the nation, our schools are completely segregated, um, the school that I teach, is north, and, you know, the, it's, it's completely minority. It's completely African-American, and, but, but not the educators, though. In that school, it's a little bit mm-hmm. more mixed, but the reality is that people like myself that have grown up in, quote-unquote, blue states live in towns that have high levels of lead poisoning, high levels yep. of environmental poisoning, um, Newark being with here with the refineries and just there's mm-hmm. so many of that throughout the country, but specifically in New Jersey, um, between, you know, when, with the whole thing with Ferguson, they were talking about how the city had coded things in a way that discouraged inter- yep. intermixing. And, and these are done quite often by not just white people, but also obviously with white people, but also with, the, with black and brown people allowing it to happen because we distance ourselves from poor people. And somebody wrote a really good article on where are Latinos with the police violence and mm-hmm. the idea that we always want to be the good immigrant. And so to tie ourselves mm-hmm. with people that are being victimized by police officers is almost to say that we, well, we haven't arrived yet. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that this sort of looking at things as sort of just a blue red issue doesn't take into account economic racism right with whether it's Pell Grants and student loans and that minorities carry the highest amount of debt they're the least likely to graduate um you know as as someone that has been the first in their family to get a graduate degree not seeing faces like mine in my programs and my internships as my colleagues as the people that train me this is something that happens under both leadership this is not this is a bipartisan issue. Racism is a bipartisan issue. And that's why I loved what you said because it's been weighing on my heart for a while about that we've we've survived. Marginalized people have always survived. Um, Undocumented people. LGBTQ people. Our communities are very collectivist, and we find a way to survive, whether it was under Bush, under Clinton, it doesn't matter, we've survived. So the idea that we're going to accept a quote-unquote lesser evil, knowing that it isn't in fact a lesser evil, knowing that it's just a less, um, less, what what would be the word, it's just less obvious, it's better hidden, um, is ridiculous. Like, the reality is that our community survives Like I said, with the lead poisoning, with a lack of investment in schools, lack of investment in green spaces, lack of investment in everything that is related to human rights issues. And the DNC isn't doing anything about that. Like, look at Flint, Michigan. Nothing is being done. You know, everybody was trumpeting everything and saying that they were going to do so much. And the Democrats were going to really be the savior of of Flint, Michigan. And Flint, Michigan is exactly where it was before this election and Mm -hmm. until we realize that you know and that's one of the things that I really liked about Bernie Sanders that you know he really touched on more than just the black and white issues he touched on those economic Mm -hmm. issues on those opportunity issues he talked about bringing people into the political process people like myself that had never been involved in the political process because we don't see ourselves in and being able to go out and be a part of marches and protests and learning about, about policies and things like that, young people, people of color, I don't see that happening currently within the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Is. And that's why you know, the idea of the movement is so important because the goal is to take people that are not uh, public policy planners, that are, not, um, that are just regular people that live in their community to take an interest and have a voice. And that's the thing that I that that is very bipartisan. That we don't regular people we don't have a voice in politics. And that's what keeps people isolated. That's what keeps us um, just dealing with whatever it is that comes our way and living in fear and Uh, voting instead of fear because our voices are not uh, a part of anything (laughs) so i think that uh, touching on that economic racism is so important and taking that into consideration and understanding that that's a bipartisan problem that both parties have ties to wall street deregulation and people think oh well you know you know bernie madoff went to jail he didn't just yeah, he, because he stole rich people's money. Our 401ks right. that lost money, our IRAs, our pensions, you know, who gives, no, nobody cares because it's the regular people's money and our voices aren't being heard. And, and that's the issue that I have with Hillary Clinton, with, you know, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, like all of these people that they're not paying attention to our voice. They're paying attention to the voice of the people that's giving them their vacations and their lovely houses and their big salaries. Um, and so I really like that that you brought that up, that that piece of, of economic racism as well, um, which is a part of both parties. It's not it's not just a Republican thing. You, Democrats for so long have said that, and they've been able to get our votes. And I think we're finally slowly trickling into the possibility of people realizing that you know what, I don't think anyone has my back, but I have options now, and I can do something. Right. Right.
0: And I think just following up on the education piece, following up on the piece about people being engaged on a local level. Um, well, I mean, we we have to. I mean, we've seen decline in voter turnout in our local communities. You know, in our state state elections, even in our congressional midterm elections and stuff too. Right? People are not coming out to vote. This is how we end up with crappy. Um, um, candidates in places like Kentucky, in in in, in Florida, in Wisconsin. I mean, we, we we lose out when people don't show up, and people don't show up just because the other guy is so evil. Is when you poor, when you don't have the same opportunity that maybe your parent generation had, you're not. I mean, what what investment, what, what incentive is there for you to be involved? And I so, so think about the education piece. I mean, it just seems like we really need to, and this may need to be a grassroots type thing too really taking the time to be active, and engaged, and educating our communities on why participating in the process matters. We're upset that these changes are happening in our community and no one's listening, and yet we're not being involved in the processes of change to have a voice. You know, we've removed ourselves from the process because for so long we didn't have a voice we weren't listened to, but now it's like they use that as a justification Well, people aren't involved, Well, people yeah. don't show up when we have these meetings. I mean, even at just the most basic, we're building a new development down the block and tearing down these houses. You know, yeah. here in Atlanta, Atlanta is one of the many places, I know Baltimore has issues with their housing and housing segregation too. Here in Atlanta, we have an affordable housing crisis and, you know, Kasim Reed, who's a Clinton lapdog, anyway, another story. But there is money that's been earmarked or whatever for them to build more affordable housing. and They continue to build luxury condominium complex, um, townhome, expensive townhome complex, expensive townhome complex, just by my sister's house. They have torn, door, torn down an old affordable housing development. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, I think it might've been a um, uh, tax increment, you know, tax finance. I forget what the term is <laughs> and I'm an urban planner. I should know this stuff, but, but they tore down a low income, low income housing, low income housing credit apartment complex they tore it down and they're they're building townhomes that start at three hundred fifty thousand dollars I believe in an area where the average home is like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars maybe if even that so you have you have what was a source of affordable housing instead of rebuilding it refurbishing it finding someone else to properly manage it it's been completely gutted and torn down and now we're gonna have luxury you know single-family townhomes come in place but what does that do to help the people in the community who can't afford $350,000 homes? And no one seems to be caring. When we're talking about the DNC, they're, they're up here. Trump is so bad. Trump is so bad, but people in our communities have to work, you know, two jobs. Sometimes if you have multiple family incomes, multiple people are working two jobs to be able to just make it to live. When We're talking about cost and affordability just to exist in America, right? Now. and we have we have even our black and latino elite our elite of color telling us no 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 that's not a big deal most of us aren't poor we're doing fine this is great yeah. trump is bad just vote for trump and that's a problem we saw that of course throughout the primary season like Bernie Sanders is talking about things that don't matter to black people or Bernie Sanders is talking about things that don't matter to Latino people. But it's so fascinating when you see the Fight for 15 movement, for example, which is largely driven by black and Latino workers, predominantly black and Latino women. Right. And, and we see the, the statistics like half of black workers are making under $15 an hour. Um, you know, three out of five Latino workers are making under $15 an hour. And yet, and still we're being told that these economic issues don't apply to us. And people are like, yeah, they don't apply to us because we're not, we're, we're, we're not breaking it down. And this is, this is my issue with the left. The left just says, okay, we have these great ideas. We're better than them. The left sometimes does the same thing. The central stems do, right? We're better than them. We have the better platform and stuff. You just need to come get behind us and get with this vote. But it's like, no, you're not taking the time to one break it down. You're not taking the time to even build the relationships or earn the trust. Right. Mm-hmm. That's part of why, you know, unfortunately, yes, all the all the corruption, all the leaks, all the other stuff that happened. But I need people to understand that had the Sanders campaign had the value consistently in grassroots and built those relationships with with black and, and Latina activists back, you know, last summer, not just had some really strategically placed diversity, but really actually built up those 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 relationships so that by the time you got to these elections, you already had a strong base in place. Had we actually had that meaningful you had a better chance, right, of making a go for it. Because you already know when you get all when you get a bunch of sisters, when you get all of us involved we're going to turn the community out. We're going to make it happen. And, and 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 when people don't understand the value, so you can't just say to me, so this gets back to our Jill Stein Green Party conversation, too. I do think that the Green Party, you know, having read through their platform and stuff, does offer a very valuable, you know, option to people who are saying, I'm voting my conscience. And that's what Hillary Clinton told everybody on Twitter the other day, right? She said to vote your conscience. You know, I agree with Ted Cruz. I'm glad you do, because that means I won't vote for you. <laughs> that, that was hilarious. The humor. <laughs> People like they really have no clue, and to say the Russians did it, I'm a progressive, and this is the most progressive platform, most progressive ticket, and it's all because of me, and it's like, really? Okay, (laughs) if you say so, but I really do think that we need to, we need to, we have to still be a driving force and a conscience almost within the left, within these progressive leaning movements and keep people on track too, because there's a lot of them that just say economics, 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 we can worry about race later, it's like no, like we need you all to kind of understand, so we kind of need to continue to drive our own conversations and as well, it's like multiple layers of conversations and educating that needs to happen. Hijacked by greed
4: or the hatred that
0: is shown. But we need to make sure we're moving forward, you know, in a positive and a productive manner, because I understand it's really easy to get bogged down in some of the, the negativity and we all get hit with it. But I need people who are listening. Bernie, folks, one note voting for Trump. I'm, I'm serious. Like someone someone said it today. Um, I'm not going to vote for Hillary Clinton because she's pro TPP and won't ban fracking but i'm going to vote for the guy that denies that denies climate climate change is a reality <laughs> and i'm like yeah that that i'm kind of there with you I like that is kind of stupid like we can't say that hillary clinton and trump are both bad so i'm going to vote for trump because mm. i hate hillary so, i mean think about what i mean we we, we, we if we're talking about building movements and helping to build up the strength and possibility of having other parties be viable options for presidency because i don't know if everyone understands you know everyone's like jill can win i don't understand what people. Think Jill is going to win, and this is not being, being negative. This is just being realistic about the system as it exists right now, today. That's not going to change in the next three and a half months. It's just not. Um, if, if by some miracle something happens and she was able to get um, the, and when you're looking at a four-way four-way race, I don't know that either of the two, you know, the Libertarian candidate Gary Johnson or Jill Stein will be able to get the requisite number of electoral college votes to actually get in the presidency. And then we have another issue neither one of them have people in Congress to help them move anything forward. So we see a situation like we have with President Obama to an extent, right? But that does not mean that that, that that it's throwing your vote away. What you do have the potential to do with the Green Party, and again, I'm not advocating for anybody just breaking it down a little bit, is you have the, the opportunity to move them forward. You have the opportunity to get them on a national stage where they then can develop and build. But I do think that we need to challenge the Green Party any other, you know, of these smaller parties that are around to help start building up their local bases. Because if you're running candidates at the state and local level, if you're building up that, that, that visibility and the support, then you can make a bigger push. If you're getting the congressional candidate in there, right, you're making the bigger push. And then come 2020 or 2024, we do then have a very real option of having someone who's not a major party candidate, you know, or maybe we have new major parties. Maybe we do have shifted our system, but so so we gotta understand. We gotta be realistic about what we're working with. But that's not to say that it's a waste. Um, Keith Olbermann and everybody else talking about how this is how we end up with George Bush's, That's absolutely not true. George Bush became president in Florida one because uh, Al Gore lost his home state, and two there were more Democrats that voted for George Bush in Florida than voted for a uh, 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 Nader. And you know you had your what you had your butterfly ballots because hanging chads was Ohio. You had your butterfly ballots. I gotta, I gotta get, get, get my messed up ballots right. But but there are a lot of issues out there. When you have Democrats who are willing to vote Republican, Democrats, you have an issue. It's not an issue with people who are voting third party, and that should not be. So um, I just I just talked a whole bunch, but we're gonna wrap it up here. <laughs> I'm gonna say something. About, go ahead. Oh, we're gonna wrap it up. No, go ahead. Go start what you to say and then we're going to wrap it up. And then last comments from everyone. Okay, I just wanted to say, I was thinking back to where you started,
5: which was,
1: right, which was discussing how do we move forward on um, the different levels? And one question that I'm asking myself now is how do we find out When the beginning of the slippery slope is happening, when people are discussing the deals that are going to be made at the local level, because by the time the conversation comes to the community and they're having the open community meeting, the deal has been sealed. It's over. Right. So I'm trying to figure out how we find out when those parties are in the planning stages and infiltrate that and stop it before it starts. Because really, again, when it comes when uh, you know when the open community meeting happens it's 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 too late it's over and there's a pretense as if the community has input and they get to shape the plans it's, it's over the plans have been made and the the deal is moving moving forward i don't know if anyone has suggestions yeah. on that on how we that and infiltrate that
0: well i think part of it too is allegedly as soon as they're proposing something, allegedly it's there is name. supposed to be notice. I was just talking about this with my daughter recently, because um, she's, she's taken an interest in development and stuff, too. Um, she just took a human geography class last, last school year. And so we see the different signs or whatever. But, you know, they'll have a very discreet sign someplace, you know, off the side of the road. And allegedly that's notice. But I do think that we need to start looking at how communities give, com- give us notice, how we're giving notice for when those types of things happen. Because, you know, they'll say, if you ever challenge them, they'll say, well, we put a notice in the paper, probably on some back page, some small corner someplace that something was going to happen, or these bids are up, you know, and allegedly that stuff should be open documents, but how do you actually get access to it? I mean, there are so many layers and issues to all of that, but I do agree that by the time we are getting to the open meeting stage, they'll, they'll use the excuse that the community didn't show up, but then if you have a very organized community that does show up, then it's like, okay, we heard you, and then they still make the decision anyway. Right. Um so but i do think that we need to start looking at strategies like how how do we do we do we even like maybe get a few people who are interested in that type of thing to kind of start monitoring mm. what our planning what our development part you know do we start monitoring what our city departments are kind of doing mm. and maybe identify three or four major areas in the city that are kinda of suspect when it comes to our community. Mm-hmm. I know we have we have issues with refuge collection in some places and things like sewage. I mean, I, and you know guys, I know this is real basic stuff and you guys are like, we're trying to nominate president, but I mean, here's the thing though, all this stuff absolutely matters at these other levels and we have to think about you know this very micro-organizing that is needed to make sure when it comes time to have an open community, it's actually an open meeting where people actually have an opportunity make sure you share this, retweet it. Versus just a charade on the checkoff list.
3: Here's a Bernie, bro. Total Bernie, bro, right here. Oh no, you good? You good?
0: So, um. Okay. Well, anyway, so Ben is on air, and we need to switch over to, to Ben's stream. <laughs> so we're getting kicked off, but this is not the last time you're gonna see all of us. Cause, I mean, aren't they awesome? Like these guys are awesome, and like I said, we're international because Wendy's in Brazil, so that's pretty cool too. Um, but everybody, just 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 let 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 folks know how they can follow you and, and check you out, and um, we'll definitely reconvene
5: again. So I'll let everybody say last words and. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I'll go, uh, just, um, I'm Kieran Opal and you can follow me at K-I-R-A-N-O-P-A-L. Would love to hear from you.
2: Um, I'm Dr. Who on Twitter. I'm just Dr. with the letter Q and then word who. And I just tweet about political stuff all day. And, uh, sometimes personal issues and activist stuff too, if you want to hit me up on Twitter.
1: Oh, I'm at, at Woman is psych on Twitter.
0: can so find me there. And I'll tweet out right. everybody's handles again too. Sorry. Ahead, um,
3: my my handle on Twitter is Muse M-U-S-E-Wendy, and that's with an I not a Y. So you can find me there.
4: Um so my my handle is at Mimona M E M O N A
3: underscore
0: Kojitari. me
5: there.
0: Great. So I appreciate you guys for, for joining us. Um, apparently, we have been, been the back. Thank you. Yes, thank you guys so much. So seriously, though, I'm bringing back everybody. If I can't get everybody scheduled back again at the same time, then I'll bring people back few by few. If we have other people we think we can add in, then we'll just mix it up. But I really do think that we continue to start having these conversations. I know several of these people write as well, so you know be on the lookout for their posts and things like that. But um, we have a great great wealth of knowledge amongst our own, you know, base, you know, groundswell of support, et cetera, et cetera. And we just need to continue to amplify it and and spread people's knowledge. I mean, you know, we don't have the money, but we got the people. (laughs) Bye. right. Peace.
5: Bye-bye. Take care.